0: Welcome back to this Ocean Life podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Josh Peterson. We are continuing our kind of short series on stories and interviews uh, on folks who have paddled the unofficial world championship uh, paddleboard race of Molokai to Oahu. This is 32 miles across the Kaibi Channel from the island of Molokai to uh, the south shore of Oahu, which is a pretty heavy, treacherous Early gnarly um, stretch of water, and today we're chatting with a young man named Hunter Fluger. Now, what we'll hear today is Hunter taking us through um, the past few years of doing a, doing the race. Uh, we start with uh, the first relay team he was on as a 13-year-old grom with a bunch of buddies, uh, then up to today where he's focused on challenging to win the prone stock division as a solo uh, paddler. Hunter shares his stories of training for the event, uh, persevering through the various areas of the channel, the start, kind of the middle, and, of course, the treacherous very end, Portlock Point, China Wall, um, and pushing through the mental and physical challenges that I'd say every paddler faces in this heavy 32-mile stretch of water. Uh, We hear of intense paddle battles with other racers, bumping rails across the channel, epic finishes, and throughout. And at the end, Hunter provides a really humble and gracious perspective on the event, uh, the community of paddlers and his own family for providing strong support for him throughout the years. So it's a lot of fun stories from a young guy who's just really coming up and his own as a professional athlete and uh, a heavy contender in M2O for this year coming up, which is as of today, as I'm talking in about 30 days from now, um, the end of July, The all these athletes will go at it in the channel. So thanks for being here. I uh, hope everybody's having a good summer and as always, mellowing out on the plastic uses picking up some trash having fun and let's hear now from hunter Pfluger and his m2o stories so hunter how many years have you done m2o at this point here we are in 2019 And assuming you're
1: gonna do it again this year and i'm guessing you are how many years of the event will this be for you Approached my dad with the crazy idea this 13 year old boy doing the channel and he goes well you can't do it by yourself yet. You're a little too young. But how about we go get two of your buddies and we try to take this thing on. So I've been I've been racing the channel since 2012. I'll be doing it again yeah. this year. So I've had a lot of opportunity to be in the channel, um, whether it's prone, one man, six man. Um, so the channel's been a big part of my life. Yeah. How many times do you think you've been across the channel in general, across, using all those different
0: crafts you just mentioned?
1: Uh. Over 20 times, or around 20 times, I think, um, through, like, the Outrigger Kalahui Kai paddling program. Um, You get a race with the juniors, um, depending on all these different crafts, so it's it's definitely added up. Yeah, that's cool, man. So do you, and we'll launch into
0: Molokai specifically, that event, or M2O, but, you know, after having been seven-ish years in the channel, different craft, kind of like 20 different times, I mean, do you feel like you know that water well or does it is it always so changing and variable that you nobody ever really knows it I mean
1: what do you think about that it's definitely the reputation as being the hardest race to get right I I still haven't gotten it right um I don't think anyone gets it right they just get it the least wrong um (laughs) (laughs) so we're still still pushing for that um perfect run
0: yeah, 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 right on. Well, you'll get it one day, man, you know. <laughs> it sounds like you're getting closer every year, too. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> All right, so, you know, doing a little digging on you and your, your past, and we'll kind of lead into to the event, you know. You, you started with, when you were 13, to jump into the race. And, you know, what that tells me, and I think is like, look, you had a lot of influence growing up around paddling right and, and your grandfather and your father are legends in the water and so it's like this you kind of have the genetics of this you know so so start there I mean how how you were influenced as a, as a Grom growing up seeing you know either your dad or your grandfather or others around you kind of competing or being strong in the water and how that kind of led you to the path you're on today.
1: Yeah so my dad was really big on paddleboarding when I was growing up um, I remember going to the finish line and watching him finish Molokai um and you're so young you don't really understand the magnitude of what's going on um but throughout the years he'd get me on like the nipper boards and 12 foot boards um he got me to my first race um and just things started um snowballing from there um and then I got to the point where I was training with Mike Cote Mm -hmm. and his group in Wailupe um and then things have just continued on from there and I've loved it so far yeah, yeah, that's cool.
0: So it was pretty natural for you seeing your dad. I mean, anybody who sees their dad do something, you get pretty hyped about it. But it was never like when you started doing the longer distance stuff, like the nipper boards and then out of the surf and like that's one thing, but then like longer distance where it's like an hour or two hours or three hours, was that ever like a challenge? Did you just like that and really just gravitate towards the longer distance stuff even as a kid?
1: actually i was when i first started i was the slowest paddleboarder out of all my friends (laughs) um the first race i did um with my dad it was the fourth of july race four miles on the north shore he actually pushed me probably three of the miles (laughs) um and how old were you i was i think i was only 10 or 11 at this point um and he thought he thought i was gonna hate paddleboarding yeah somehow i got the bug for it um we started doing Hawaii Kai runs, which is around nine miles. Um, those were challenging as a young kid, but my goal eventually was to solo that Hawaii Kai run. And I just set these little goals that. Right. Yeah, man, that's cool.
0: So then if you fast forward to when you're 13 and there's a cool picture of you on Instagram that you've put up, it was like kind of a throwback shot of you and your buddies on Kulakoi beach getting ready to do, to do the, the relay. Um, So talk about that first time you're 13, you got a couple buddies. I mean, were you all amping on this? I mean, you'd seen the race, you knew a lot about it. So you understood, I'm guessing you, or did you understand what
1: was in store for you guys crossing that channel? You know, were you ready for it? Yeah, I can remember that year focusing on, you know, you have to beat the course before you're going to start racing. Um, So I really made an effort to not kill myself um but obviously you're still going hard because you are in a race yeah um but i never really had that much experience i had no experience in the channel um so i was chasing all the wrong bumps mm-hmm. really cool um i you and there's a whole different experience than i thought it would have been um i it was one of the toughest experiences i've ever had in the channel and it was probably the biggest year i've ever had in the channel um i dropped into a couple bumps and just bored flew in the air complete yard oh, sale really like it was and i'm this little like 135 pound kid just getting thrashed around
0: yeah yeah so it was big water that year i mean it's kind of always is but was that like after doing it seven times we're crossing the channel 20 times
1: how would that how was that year i mean was it a little bit bigger than usual and what was it like yeah, it just had a really big groundswell coming down from the north, um, and it just made everything keep stacking up, uh, and it, yeah. le- it led to some pretty big bumps. Um, my dad says sometimes I just disappear in the bump, and you couldn't see me yeah. on the escort boat. Oh man, <laughs> got it, got it. So then, how was
0: that? Like you do, you do it with your buddies, you know. Talk about that on being on the boat, because there's a difference. Like it, the channel's a channel, and it's gnarly whether you're doing it solo or are on a team um but that first year having a couple buddies as your first experience in the channel i mean was that were you guys having fun laughing joking or was it a little bit more serious because you mean know, the water's heavy and you know what was that like as t- as three 13 year old you know guys out there
1: we we were pretty amped to get out there and have a crack at it we wanted to kind of prove ourselves as the young guns that were up and coming mm. um and this is kind of the point where i'm i i'd get really seasick Probably mile like twenty between like mile twenty and thirty, thing I started hitting the wall and I was like, holy smokes! Like, real life hit me and I was out in the middle of the <laughs> channel, and I needed I needed to keep going because I I I didn't just train all this time and um, put so much effort into this to not complete it. Um, but luckily, my buddy Nat Yee and Alki Manson, who were my relay teammates um, that year. They they pulled me through, um, and they helped me get through it. It was it was pretty cool. Yeah. So what was that like? I mean, and and I'll I'll ask you a little bit to go
0: deeper on this this topic when we get to like your solo experiences. But as you mentioned, like twenty ish miles, you kind of hit a wall of sorts. You know, like what was that like for you as a thirteen year old? And like the the realization of where you were, you're in the channel. It all kind of hits you, you know. And so, and your buddies were kind of there to get you through it, you know.
1: I've. Um, Athlete triathlete could experience that or like a marathon runner um but you just feel like you're not moving you're just sitting there on your board paddling <laughs> the island's not getting closer you're just getting tossed around by these huge sets um actually when one of my buddies when nat was on the board he looks over at the boat and he goes am i even moving because he just felt like he was just getting sucked back to molokai
0: yeah and so after having done that since then the channel so many times and experienced that, I'm guessing again and again, what was it, you know, at that time looking back, was it your guys's line? Was it, you know, which is so critical in that event, you know, being, you know, knowing where you're at in the channel, knowing what the conditions are doing the current, the tide, the swell, and basically getting that line. So what
1: was it then? Were you guys in the wrong spot, at the wrong time, or what was, what was slowing you down? Yeah, I think, I remember our line um but we were closer to makapu um than we probably needed to be yeah. um but at that point we didn't really care we just wanted to get to the point and turn the <laughs> corner
0: and then what was that like i mean it's so fun when you're doing it at that age and you're 13 14 and you know when you guys finished that you know uh were you just so amped and and when so when you're done were you ready to do it again or were you like hey i don't even really want to see my paddleboard
1: for a few weeks you know what was your reaction after you guys finished that first one uh you you think you're never going to come back, and right when you cross the finish line, um, I walked up the beach. My mom was there um, with some of my aunties and uncles and my grandparents. I saw Mike Cote, who'd been training me the whole season, um, and I, I, I immediately, knew, like, this is something I want to do the rest of my life. Oh, cool. It
0: was pretty instantaneous.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It was an un- unreal emotion that just
0: came over you. Oh, That's that. cool, man. So you were basically hooked right off the bat, How- so then 2013, now take us forward. I mean, so you're 13 years old. Oh, yeah, so, and then what was next? I mean, did you continue to do relays and then just kind of kept really I mean, in, just focused on M2O amongst a lot of other elements past- events throughout the year? Yep.
1: Yeah, so I definitely knew I was coming back. Um, I, that was my, 2013 was my last year doing three-man relay. Mm-hmm. Um, that was one of the most fun years for me um three-man relay it's not a very competitive division but it was the first time um we won something in the channel so that was yeah. really cool um the conditions were, were a lot more mellow a lot easier to catch the bumps um we kind of understood how to train and how to pace um so it just made the whole experience a lot more fun for us and we were high-fiving and hooting and hollering the whole way across that time um and then from there it kind of led to two-man relay um the first year, it's always tough when you're in a new division. Um We didn't really know what to expect. And then from there, over the years, we got a little better at two-man relay. And that's led me to this past year. Um, 2018, I did my first solo on the prone Award. Yeah, solid, man. So
0: you did... multiple years in the two-man relay and were you did you do that like on purpose to just kind of get more comfortable understanding the bump and just the dynamics of the channel knowing you would do a solo run you know soon I mean is that was that was that the plan and to do the solo kind of this last year or were you were you gonna just keep doing relays until you felt like you were ready to do a solo what was your kind of strategy
1: yeah, my, my dad's um, been a huge influence um, on me, hel- helping me throughout this entire journey. And he's kind of been like, hey, maybe not yet. Um, let's wait a couple more years. Make sure your shoulders are, are good. Um, want you to get across this safely. No injuries. Um, at the yeah. time, I'd also have multiple other sports going. Um, water polo, swimming, surf lifesaving, canoe paddling, um, so I had, I had a lot of other things up in the air until um, this past year. Um, I really focused in on uh, the prone for Molokai.
0: Yeah, cool, man. Now, you guys, you did
1: good, too. As you mentioned,
0: you kind of got consistently uh, in the two-man ray, relay. You, you got better improved, like improved finishes and stuff. In 2017, you guys won. You got first in the, the stock. You know, So take, take us through that year. Um when you, you you got to the podium, you basically won, you know, what was that what was there was there was it more of experience after having done it for at that point four years? Would that help you? Were you bigger, stronger, faster? Like take us through, you know, that that year when
1: you guys won it. Yeah, so twenty seventeen, um my buddy Matt delahunty from Australia and I teamed up. Um that, that was an insane year. We raced Brad Gall and Kendrick Lewis, both previous solo champions um about we had insane battles it was so crazy how close we were the entire channel (laughs) we had one point where kendrick and i were bumping rails on bumps no way Um, and matt after the race goes that was insane there's no reason why we should be neck and neck for 32 (laughs) miles (laughs) <laughs> um, in a huge ocean. Yeah. in, in a huge ocean. And I, I remember there was one bump off of Hanama Bay. Um, Brad had probably put, um, 15 to 20 yards and I got this big roller and came right up to him and got a little edge and we just held that edge. Um, and I think we only got them by a, a minute or two. Um, also we, we had been training, um, the full time time period leading up to molokai um K- kendrick i'm sure had been doing all his surf life saving um but but brad's um running his business right now so he didn't yeah. train as much but he, he's a lethal weapon in the channel yeah um you never tone those guys down huh, that's a crazy battle i mean
0: you guys are battling two former winners and it's neck and neck (laughs) rail to rail the whole channel you know and so at the end you mentioned around hanama bay you guys are there you catch them but but you you guys ended up winning by about a minute or so so what was that like around portlock Point? you guys get some waves going into the into through the bay or how'd you guys pull that
1: off yeah we we just had to keep the throttle throttle down we pushed as hard as we could um Nick Debeto had sent us an insane training program, um, oh. so we just knew how to do explosive movements um, right. And basically, we shortened our changes and just every time we got on the board, just tried to kill ourselves Wow and slowly and slowly got away in the surf um, and that led to a bigger gap for the flat, where we just held them off.
0: right um, right. So what was that like? I mean, you it's an interesting perspective where you having done that race multiple years you you know you could you and your buddy could be by yourselves in that channel the whole entire way you might see people here and there and but in theory you couldn't really just the two of you paddle that swip, swap boards and not really ever you know get super close to somebody but in this race you guys were like <laughs> bumping boards you know the whole way so what was that like i mean is that kind of comp- com- competition was what you guys are all about and was that like fun was it stressful to have somebody basically bumping rails the whole time with you
1: it it was one of the best experiences i think i've had in the channel um not just because that was my first year winning the two-man relay but it was so competitive and everything was had to be so focused you had to catch every bump um because you miss one bump kendrick's gonna walk away in the surf brad's gonna walk away in the surf um it was it was insane how focused they were. Um, they were sitting there just looming over us constantly, and it it, it made you really appre- appreciate the openness you've had in other crossings. Yeah, right, right.
0: <laughs> yeah, dude, that's that's so cool. And so that was 2017, and that was a good time. It was what like five ten or something. It was right around there, wasn't it? Yeah, it, we
1: had low low fives that year. Um, yeah. Um, we, we we're super stoked with that yeah yeah man that was a great year oh yeah for sure we did
0: uh and you know to that that i did a relay that year too and um by no means are we challenging anybody to be <laughs> anywhere but middle of the pack but it was one of those years and this will be a question to you too is uh, around the importance of your line right and i remember that year because it was you know and as you know no, too it's like every year it's like everybody's got these rumors and and or real credibility around the conditions and what the current's going to do and what your line might be and what it shouldn't be and I remember that year was it was like go straight across go straight kind of to portlock point i remember that and uh um, sounded to be the line that year and we did of course with uh being kind of dumb and i think having a a, a boat captain who thought as we're midstream, we should do something else. And we were busy paddling, just said, okay, cool. And got into that little treadmill, as you mentioned earlier, where you sit there and you don't go anywhere. (laughs) It doesn't seem like it for a (laughs) while, but, but for you guys, and just in general, your time, the channel, I mean, talk about the
1: importance of the line you pick and how you pick it, you know? Yeah. You spend a bunch of time looking at the wind, the tide, the current, everything that's going to be going on. Are there storms coming in? That's going to affect this. Um, But Travis Grant, who's been a huge mentor to me over the years, um, um, has given me a bunch of advice on that. Um, one thing I try to do is paddle the shortest distance, um, or for that year. Um, that was what we felt would be the best line. Just a straight shot, paddle the shortest distance, point A to point B. Um, and I think in 2016, the year before, um, we had the same line and both 2016 and 2017, were probably some of the best surf I've had in the channel for paddleboard. Um, everything was lining up. You were constantly dropping into big bumps, easy to catch. Um, no current, no big tide, just all the way easy sleigh rides. Yeah, yeah, that's solid, man.
0: And then you know when you don't, you know be. You don't choose the right line, or you do. You know, things just change. Maybe the conditions changed, not like the when you don't get those bumps and you hit that treadmill, or you're going, you know, three knots instead of six or five. You know, it's just that the mental drain <laughs> that can put on you, as you mentioned when you guys first did that first one in 2013. Um, but you learn a lot since, you know. And so, you know, as you how, and then your boat captain as well. Have you had um, the same crew and who knows you and you know them and
1: knows the channel really well. Yeah. So my dad, again, has been a huge support along with my mom. Um, my dad runs, um, the escort boat. We've, we have a boat. So fortunately for us, that's not a problem. Um, I know that can be difficult for people traveling in. Um, I'm, I'm sure that may have been a challenge for you or people, Mm you know, um, but, but, yeah, my, my dad's been a huge, huge support um, every year. He's always been there 100%. My mom on Molokai has everything prepped. So when we get there, we can just sit, sit down, get in race mode, um, nice. have all the right food. So, yeah, my parents have been, been awesome. I have had one of the best support crews in the channel, um, I feel, every year. Yeah, for sure. I and mean, what a cool
0: family thing to do, like a tradition, you know, like like this like common commonality, all of you together to do this stuff. You know, that's that's really cool. And and I think you're you, you touch on something that's critical. And a lot of folks will, other folks I've had in the podcast, do talk about their their M two experiences and logistic part, which is as you mentioned, the boat being on Molokai Island, and your food and your stuff, where you're staying. You know, and to have that dialed. It just lets you relax, and like as you mentioned, you can focus more mentally on race mode versus like, oh, I got to run to the store because I don't have this, or geez, my board has a ding in it, or you know, where is my board, or whatever. Where's my boat guy? You know, <laughs> so that's a that's got to be a huge advantage for you as a competitor.
1: Yeah, no, I'm I'm very thankful um, for all the support my parents do for me. Um, actually, two of my buddies, Harrison Dysroth and um, Francesco Forti, both. Um, are doing a program at the University of Hawaii um, and their job is to create um, a website where it makes it easier for people coming to do Molokai to have their escort boat, their board, their food uh, um, if they need ice on the boat all, all these things so they can just have everything prepped online so they can have an easier time uh, getting to Hawaii and getting to Molokai uh, That's a great great idea um, really good idea, good for those guys Solid. So then,
0: you guys win the team-prone stock division in 2017, and then you know um, it's time for you to now go go solo. So from the end from this 2017 event, which is end of July, to the next July of 2018, um, when did you make that decision that you were gonna go solo? You know, the next year
1: for me, it's always kind of been. I feel the time to progress is after I win the division. Mm. Um, so we won the three-man. I transitioned to two-man. Um, we won the two-man. And that's kind of, well, I, I can prove myself in the two-man relay division. It's time to step up, accept the next challenge, um, and get after it. Nice, So that's nice. kind of what, what did it for me.
0: Got it. So right off the bat, you're like, okay, next year I'm going solo. And so you then put yourself forward and developed –
1: your training to do the whole 32 by yourself yep and it it took a lot of help from um travis grant my dad brad gall mick debetta all the people coming in as a big team to help me um be my best on race day yeah oh man that's that's like the
0: all-star cast of, of of strong watermen and 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 competitors um and I've, I've chatted with Mick quite a bit. We had a podcast with him just describing his experiences doing every year of the event, which is insane. The guy's just a, just a great dude and an animal, but a, a prone paddler to his core, right, as you are. But I'm curious, and Travis Grant, like the guy's just incredible as well. But as an SUP guy, Travis, um, so how does he, in terms of the training, what do you get from him, you being a prone guy, him being an SUP guy?
1: He's kind of helped me see the ocean in different ways. Um, The way I approach um, a race, my mentality, um, probably one of the biggest influences is my nutrition. Um, Mm. When I was younger, you know, burgers and fries and milkshakes, not the best thing for training for for crossing the channel. Um, He's helped me um, turn to more of an organic, healthy diet um, and just fuel my body with the best nutrients. Right, right. Now,
0: there's all, I read, uh, I think, a cool interview with you, and I can't remember who this was, but there was a piece describing kind of the mental prep and the preparation mentally that you'd go through, but also like the game time, you know, in the water, mental um, sort of strength that you've developed in things around being mindful and choosing the right emotions to feel and these kind of visual reminders that you use in, you know, these intense events and everything. So I'd love to hear a little bit about that. I mean, kind of where did that come from? Who influenced you and and kind of what do you do when you hit the wall or you get in a weird place in your head, 20 miles in or whatever that is, and what do you do to get out of that?
1: It sounds kind of crazy, but something I do um I have it on my board too on a little piece of duct tape. I just just draw a smiley face. Mm -hmm. And or my smile. Um, when you smile, you're more relaxed. Um, you just feel feel better. Um, may not make you go faster, but it'll improve your attitude, and that hopefully leads to um, ending the negative situation faster. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something I've always used, and it it seems to work for me. It keep keep things more fun. I'm not getting as angry um, or frustrated as I did when I first started paddleboarding. Um, so that's that's kind of been a little, I guess not secret, but secret I use in the channel.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then like a guy like Travis or Mick and others, I mean, there's so many others, you know, where you're at in Hawaii and, and people you interact with who do that race and do other endurance events. I mean, do you, are you are you constantly seeking or looking for other sort of perspectives on how other folks deal with that mental aspect and maybe pick up other things from other folks as well? Yeah, it's crazy.
1: Um, all the different ways people approach it um Travis is obviously a very focused athlete he's proven himself in the channel time and time again um and he's mentally present the entire channel um I find myself you kind of zone out and you just get in that fun zone and you're catching bumps um but I've tried to get a better balance of staying focused next bump next bump push now um And then I've seen other people who can completely just tune out everything. Um, They're not thinking at all, and they're just flowing with the ocean. Mm -hmm. Um, And they've also won races. So it's crazy to see the different strategies mentally, um, and they're both successful. Yeah,
0: yeah. And it's such a huge part of that event. I mean, it's a huge part of, like, I mean, really any event, especially the the endurance stuff, is when you, you know, your body just keeps going as you mentioned it's an it's like a machine you feel it with the right stuff it'll it'll keep going it's what I found at least for myself and in conversations with many other folks who've done that event and other endurance things it's like your mind can be the weak link you know <laughs> and so like what you're doing is finding out how to you know set your mind from the start but also tactics when you fall off the rails a little bit and a smiley face on your duct tape you know other folks I've talked to they they spot an animal and the and they focus Focus on that bird flying overhead or maybe there's a dolphin A nap kind of gives them you know others have music others sing to themselves others remember family members or whatever that is you know we all have these tactics
1: they're really fun to like see what other people do yeah and i think it all comes down to the core of it is just um giving yourself um a quick mental break or just breaking down the race um because i think sometimes we're out in the channel and we can get overwhelmed you know Molokai is behind you. Oahu's all the way in the distance. Um, you feel like you're going to be there forever. Um, but yeah, it's just those little sound and get through it a little faster.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, so then you end up 2017. You step off the first place in a team, and you're like, okay, 2018 is coming. I'm going to go solo. So then, take us forward to that. I mean, is was there a difference in your training? When you were doing it in a relay knowing you didn't have to do 32 miles but you do about 16-ish versus you're like all right I'm gonna do 32 now how did that tra- change your training regimen going into 2018?
1: I wouldn't say it changed it too much um maybe I added a little more volume um when I was going solo um but it was the same similar program um mm-hmm. I'd used um and that that's been awesome I, I love the program i run um from just paddling yep. from MictaBeta. um that's kind of been a good path to success for me so i follow that and it that's what i, I used I, I trained with that um threw in some swimming and then i also made sure i was touching the um six-man canoe um, because i knew after prone molokai i had to be top shape for six-man molokai Ah, nice, nice. A total dual sport. That's
0: awesome. Yeah. So w- before we then get into, like, uh, your time in the Malkai do Oahu prone, 2018 solo, I'm always curious, like, myself only being across that channel on a boat and then prone, but you've done it on multiple crafts, as we mentioned. What's the difference in perspective when you're sitting up, you know, on the six-man or even OC1 or two? Versus prone. I mean, how does the water? How can you read it differently? Does it feel
1: differently? What's the difference that you, if any,
0: you know, that you 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 can see?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So obviously a huge perspective change from sitting up in a boat to laying down on a board. Um, it's mostly the speed. Um, a one man canoe or six man canoe will just naturally carry a lot more speed the way it's shaped. Mm-hmm. So you're going to be a lot more aggressive um, with a one man canoe. Or a six-man, and you're going to find that you can push yourself too hard, too fast. So I did that the first time I raced uh, those crafts. So it's a whole nother balancing act. Um, the the prone is definitely one of the most fun, because you can catch the bumps right off the start and all the way to the finish. Because you can get those small little ones, and those will lead you into the big ones. Yeah. While other crafts, maybe you're looking for more of the medium size to large. Right, right. That's cool. What a neat way to, like, it's just water's water, and that channel's so variable. But
0: being able to see it and feel the flow of it from different craft and also just visually, you know, like, you know, um, there's such a difference there. So, all right, so then 2018, you know, I remember going into that and hearing prior that the conditions, like, a week-ish out, it was like, it's looking great, right? A couple days before, everybody's like, dude, this could be, like, record breaking again the conditions look so killer right so and we know that kind of didn't turn out to be this, the, what happened but so talk about you leading up like a couple weeks out you know you're gonna do your first solo I mean are you getting nervous what
1: was it like for you yeah well interesting enough that was my first summer doing an internship I was at Bank of Hawaii so I feel while I was interning during the day it kind of let me focus on my job and I didn't get overwhelmed by um, Molokai. I wasn't getting overly hyped on the conditions. Um, I, so I feel when we found out what the conditions were, I wasn't as disappointed as yeah. I felt I would have been. Oh, um, good. But yeah, was, it was cool. Um, I, in my internship, my boss is a big paddleboard guy, so he kind of understood what was going on. Um, and that kind of led led to Molokai. And you get to Molokai, and it's just full race mode. You got to get yourself prepped mentally. It's probably the biggest challenge. Um, and then you show up race day ready to just go to war and go to battle. Yeah.
0: So wh- what's your routine then? I mean, your your dad's in the boat. Your mom's kind of logistics on Molokai. Are, are you flying over? Do you take the boat across with your dad? And and how much how much time in advance do you go on like front? Friday and chill Do you go Saturday
1: like what do you guys do yeah so I try to get over there at least two days before sometimes it, this past summer it was difficult with my um first internship yeah um I got over there I think a day before but yeah you just get on Molokai you relax it's a beautiful place um and then something I always do um I watch Jamie Mitchell's movie decade of dominance um it gets me oh, pumped cool. up to go and race on the channel um, and that, that kind of sets the mental tone for me, and I just carry that on through to the start line. Yeah, nice, nice. And then when does your dad bring the boat across? He'll bring the boat across probably a day or two before. Um, yep. I, I always fly over. Um, the first year in 2011, um, I was escorting. Um, I got pretty seasick, and I wasn't, I wasn't too stoked. I wasn't having a fun time. <laughs> so I usually, I usually fly over keeps the body a little more in tune for the race oh yeah man
0: it's funny like there's a few stories i've got um from other folks too and i did it my first year too like i didn't i mean there's so many learning you know learnings when you have no idea but one of those is you just shouldn't take your boat across i mean you know one friend of mine he the boat broke down on the way over they didn't get into cool beach until midnight before the race saturday night right so there's and then it just beats you. It's like five hours potentially, you know, running against the swell and you're just come off the boat. Even if you're there a day or two in advance, you're just a little bit taxed, you know? So flying is well worth it. (laughs) No, I I could not agree more. (laughs) All right. So then let's go race day then in 2018, right? Um, you talk about the, the conditions, right? Because you, you were fortunate, it sounds like, and also probably are smart or smart where you didn't really get sucked into like um, the hype of what the conditions were forecast to be. You were busy doing your internship and that was probably a nice distraction. Um, but then in the channel, I mean, describe it because it was I remember watching on the, like, the, the website with the GPS tracking and you see a little dot and they start spreading out. And it's pretty cool. It's kind of near real time. So you can kind of see, you know, we're you know, I was watching with some buddies, some of my friends and other folks I know. And it was like, you kind of saw this point where all of a sudden everybody started going really slow, you know. And then talking to folks who were there that day, it sounded like it just got really freaking hard. So, so describe the conditions,
1: you know, of, of that, that day. Yeah, definitely lighter winds um, than we were expecting off the start. I wasn't quite too sure what to do. I, I've done the channel so many times, yet I found myself baffled. Um, I wasn't sure do I push too hard, do I just kind of set my pace and let the competition set theirs? Um, I was it was a whole another learning curve for me. Mm. I I hit that wall um, off of Port Lock. That current was yeah. Prob- that was the strongest I've ever seen that current come off the point. It was really? it was crazy. People were just standing still going probably two miles an hour and they're oh, full sprint brutal and then you break you break that corner at um port and it's free yeah
0: jeez. and so how long did you kind of stay in that treadmill i mean, I mean there's a, the tactics there of getting right on the cliff you know along china wall like you know feet away were you close to it were you off of it i mean you know
1: that water so well i mean what, what were you doing right there yeah so i had um I hadn't chosen the best line last year. Um, my competition had snuck away from me, so I kind of went against everything I should have gone for. I, mm. I kind of gambled and shot in towards Portlock. Um, definitely did not pay off. I definitely should have listened to my dad on that one. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, I, I kind of um, got stuck in that as the competition walked away um but it, i i couldn't be happier that it was last year and it's behind me now yeah um, i've learned so much from that experience um i thought i was prepared uh, to take it on, on solo but, mm-hmm. but there's so many different aspects to it solo versus relay i'm not getting on the boat every once in a while to talk about the line yeah um nutrition like when to eat how much to eat because um, you can't just sit down on a boat and snack on a bar right um, you're going to be constantly moving cuz you're not going to give the competition a second on you right and so it it was it was a really good eye opening experience for me the line itself um wasn't the best but i think it was a good learning opportunity yeah, yeah. absolutely man and i think that's
0: just like i think if anybody shows up and paddles molokai titles the channel in that race their first time and thinks it's going to be easy or they're going to crush it or, any or, uh, you know, it doesn't think they're going to kind of get their ass handed to them in some way, shape, or form is really pretty much kidding themselves, you know. And it's funny because even, like, guys like me, Nick I spoke to, he's like, dude, I, I learned something every year. And he's done it 22 times, you know, because there's, like you said, there's always something different going on. And, uh, and whether it's your hydration or your, you know, your water or your boat or your line or the wind or the conditions, it's, there's so many variables, you know. And so that learning aspect, I think it feels like the right way to go open-minded and go, okay, there's going to be some great things about today and there's gonna be some not great things about today but either way you're gonna learn you know and then try to improve next year which keeps so many people coming back as to like okay that was cool how can I do it better next year so then for you looking I mean here we are it's June we're about I don't know six ish weeks away from this year. I mean are you amping are you you know
1: gonna get back out there yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely I'm I'm always excited when Molokai comes around um, all the top Australians. From all over the world come to Hawaii I get to see them doing downwind runs Um, it really raises the level sometimes they do the local races Uh, uh, it's it's really cool to see just a swarm of paddlers come to Oahu and yeah you get you get goosebumps it's it's race season
0: right yeah how fun man and that's one neat thing too I mean actually maybe expand upon that a little bit you know as you mentioned you get people from all over the world coming out. And of course the Australians are just, you know, they're so strong and there's so much fun to hang out with and stuff. But, uh, you know, there's like kind of a global community of sorts, you know, and you do the ISA teams, you have an opportunity to travel also and interact with folks in the panel community. But, you know, talk about, you know, as you mentioned, it's so fun to have all these people in your, basically in your town right now are coming. They'll be, you know, flooding in and starting to get in the water and preparing for the event. But I don't know, what's your perspective on kind of that, the community of paddling that not only is fostered uh, from Molokai to Wahoo, you know, the event, but just paddling in general, you know,
1: I mean, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so Molokai does a great job. They attract an international field And from that, I get to meet people from all over the world. I've met people from Canada, Japan, Hong Kong. Um, They had the Virgin Islands here, Australia, obviously, New Zealand, um, um, the mainland. And you hear all these different stories about the conditions they paddle in. Some people are in 7 millimeter wetsuits freezing their butts off. Um, others, Others are similar to here in Hawaii. They're in board shorts and a rash guard when they're out paddling. You get to hear... All these cool different perspectives, and then we're all from such different places. Yet paddling all pulls us together, and it makes us a really cool um, one big community. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Nice man. And the kind of, I guess, the final question I think I've got is: as you mentioned, you know, 2018 was a learning year as your first solo, but just every year is kind of a learning year. But um, any big takeaway? Ways, things you're you're going to change either in your approach with your nutrition your routine anything like that what, what are the kind of a couple of the big things you're looking to change this
1: year definitely the biggest thing i'll be changing this year is um i'm gonna let my escort boat focus on the line when mm-hmm. we're out in the channel i'm not going to worry about that they're going to point me in the right direction and i'm going to go as hard as i can in that direction um, I'm going to be a lot more open and have a lot more gratitude. Mm. I feel sometimes I get sucked, sucked into training um, and I get stuck in my little bubble. I want to open it up and look around um, for all the things people have done for me, uh, whether it's Mike Takahashi, the race organizer, and the logistical nightmare it must be to put on this race. <laughs> um, my parents and all the support they do, whoever's coming on my boat to drop Bottles for me, I want, and then all the other competitors um, be thankful to have them there and be able to race against them. And even though when you're mid-channel and you're trying to take down some legends, it may not feel like it, but just be thankful.
0: Yeah, oh, that's awesome, man. It's a great perspective, and uh, that's very cool, man. Uh, uh, you know, to have that in that event, but also in life in general. You know, so so good for you for for uh, you know feeling that way, man. And I wish you the best of luck man and i'll be tracking you i uh, was going to make it out to do some stuff at the finish line but not going to do it this year but i'm going to be watching in the real time man and i'll be watching your little dot as it streaks across the channel online man so uh best of luck to you <laughs> oh thank you josh we'll have to hook up in california sometime for a paddle i would love it man when you're back here at back in college and you want to come up to santa cruz and get a paddle or a surf or something man uh always welcome sounds good awesome all right, Hunter. Hey, thank you so much for sharing your time and stories, man. It's been awesome. Again, good luck this year. And uh, man, looking forward to hearing your results, man, and just keep cranking. Gosh, I really appreciate the opportunity to be on here. Thank you Absolutely. for coming and everything. Okay. Thank you so much. Have a good one. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening uh, to another podcast episode. Can't do it without you. And uh, so thrilled to have you here, supporting uh, myself and the podcast and all the guests uh, continually. Always appreciate a positive um, rating on your uh, your podcast app, whether it be you know Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, you name it. Just helps helps grow the podcast and uh, spread awareness. So thanks for that. And then any uh, social media mentions, always super appreciative. And uh, if you know somebody who you think would be great to have on the podcast to share the, about their ocean life please hit me up. I'd love to chat with them. Or if you think you'd like to, let me know. Uh, Email is josh at thisoceanlife.tv. All right. Thanks, guys.